Yeah, I don't live here. I don't live here. Turn around every now and then I get a little bit something and something, something, something. Turn around. This episode of This SF Life. I'm your host, Farzad. And I'm Jana. Yay, we're back, finally. We took a little bit of a hiatus. We were a little busy, but we're back. And this is a very special episode. This is our special election special. Bum, bum, ba, ba, da. I was going to think more like Hail to the Chief. Ba, 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 da, ba, 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 ba. Or the Chief S. Uh, hopefully. Chief Chiefess? I mean, we do live in San Francisco, so I, I, I hope that our political views aren't that surprising, but absolutely this podcast is rooting in favor of Hillary over the it, Trump. It is, and you know what I'm so, uh, not kicking myself for, I'm so glad that I moved out here when I did, and I love my life and whatnot. However, for the first time, I think in probably the history of the world, Texas is a swing state at the moment, at least last time I checked. Well, it's ish. It's not, it, uh, it's leaning, it's, it's leaning very much Trumpy, but yes, it is definitely... I think next election cycle, it's going to be a swing state. I think I, what I had read some data previously that this year it already was. So anyway, I know last election it was like, it was pretty close. It was like 43, 56 or something. That's a 13 point margin, Jana. Yeah, because people didn't necessarily vote for the straight Republican or straight Democrat. There's independents and the Green Party and whatever else. So... There's a small majority. But anyway, um, it was it was close-ish last go around, and we're definitely getting closer. So I have to say, you know, I, I think I had talked earlier about how I recently became a Californian, and I was a Californian man, and then now I'm a Californian woman. But I had honestly, part of the reason I had held off on that was to vote for Texas and do an absentee ballot and push my Democrat views on a state that I don't live in anymore. And... I did research prior to making the appointment to go get my driver's license and register to vote here. And I learned that I could not absentee vote. I didn't meet the criteria. And that's why I made the decision to become a Californian when I did. Only after knowing that I could not vote for Hillary as a Texan. But now that you are a Californian, let's, uh, let's dive in. So that, like I said, this is a very special episode. We're going to be... We, I think this is the most amount of research we've ever spent on an episode. We've done on an episode. We've Maybe got a- joint research. Okay, Bam. fine. Wow. Is that kind or loving? We, we did joint research and had some conversations and wanted to talk about some of the different propositions. So, yeah, we're going to. So predominantly in this episode, we're going to focus on a few select propositions, both in the statewide election and the county city and county of San Francisco. We tried to choose ones that were most relevant to our lives, as well as finding ones we disagreed on. And let's be honest, most of the some of most of the ones we picked, we, we agreed mostly on stuff because that's probably why we're friends, because we agree on things for the most D- part, despite our constant bickering. But we do politically, we are uh, we we're generally aligned. agree we're aligned. So we the ones we picked, I'll, we'll be honest, was literally kind of the sexier ones. 
It is true. So, but but we're we're going to try to make this as informative as possible, and uh, let's without further ado, let's dive in. Yeah. So, should we start with the sexiest one first? Let's start with because that would be number sixty, which surprisingly well, yes. Let's start. So we're going to start with as I mentioned, we're going to start with the state propositions. So let's start from sexiest to <laughs> sexiest least sexy. to least sexy. Yeah, I would say number sixty is the sexiest, no, and it I should have been labeled number sixty-nine. Pro- oh, good joke. That's a nope, nope, not a good joke. I disagree with that. Oh, so wah, wah. so prop sixty for those of you not in the know. Uh, essentially says requires porn stars to wear condoms during sex while filming. Now, my stance on this is no. Jana, what is your stance? My stance, like on most things, is overall I'm torn. But my stance is also surprisingly no. Why is it surprising, Jana? Well, because I feel like safety first. Safety first is usually my my motto. And let's be honest, not wearing a condom and working in the sex business is not practicing safe, se- as safe sex as you could be. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is that the porn industry does do rigorous testing of uh, actors and actresses. <clears throat> but then you have like that James Dean situation or... No, that was when he was rapey. That's regardless of condom. Yeah, that, that, that I don't think condom would have helped. He was still raped because he's an asshole. Wasn't there one recently where someone had HIV? So there was some. There, there was a bit of a scare. I actually, in the research, they, they said that the, the... So in my research, it said that that didn't actually come up, that that hasn't happened in the state of California in quite some time. The Actually, the uh, San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the AIDS Project of LA both are actually against this measure as well. And so... And as well as the, the the porn industry, and it's. Did they mention why? Just out of curiosity. Uh, so th- they say that. So the the reason they say is that there's, they do rigorous testing, anyway, mm-hmm. and so there's really, not. It, it just let's be honest, porn with condoms is weird, and so it's really just more a matter of like, it. And the problem is also they they enacted this. So this there's this Michael Weinstein fellow, at, who's really been the main proponent for this measure. And he's and he's the one who enacted it in L.A. And as a result of that, L.A. lost a lot of tax revenue as a result of the enacting of this. Because let's be honest, no one wants condoms and porn. And I'm, I know that's very selfish, but like they already have a lot of measures that take care of that issue. And a lot of actually in when I was at Folsom, there was actually a booth dedicated to no on 60 where so a lot of not just the industry, but actors and actresses have come out and, against this. So. Yeah. It just seems like this is a personal <clears throat> crusade of a single individual and Where's... it's just going to cost it's just going to cost us. Anyway, I mean, and let's be honest, basically the way they're going to enforce this is they're going to have an OSHA official stand there and stare like let's see if the condom's still on. I want that job. No, I'm just kidding. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> and like I feel like there's better <clears throat> things we can spend taxpayer money on than making sure the condom stays on during a porno. Well, and I think that, you know, porn is meant to be a way for people to live out their fantasies that they may not necessarily be able to live out in real life or maybe it's supplemental to their fantasies but i would i would be surprised if there was any man or woman that had a condom as part of their fantasy yes so you know it kind of i would assume takes a little bit of the magic away sensation and otherwise so anyway i think yeah, I'm kind of surprised at my stance on that, but we agree. Yes, so that's one we agree on. So if you like porn, 
go vote on... If you like good porn. Those of you who like condoms in your porn, screw you. Garbage. Literally, screw you, then put it in the garbage. Yes. Let's keep it clean, folks. Let's keep it clean. So but, we both agree, no on 60. Yeah, go vote no on 60. Well, don't, let's if not... You, a, let, let's... If you agree with sure. us and do not want condoms in your porn. Yes. Um, let's move on to the next sexy uh, top proposition. What is, what's your choice for the next sexy? For the next sexy, I have, covet, I have lovingly named it the weed bra proposition. That, that indeed is the next sexy one on my list. Uh, I so labeled it legalization of pot. So proposition 64 is for <clears throat> the legalization of, of pot. And, and I call it the, the weed bra am- amendment for us millennials out there. Um, wow <laughs> creepy breathing into the mic it's, it's not even not, halloween not, it's halloween's over so essentially this legalizes pot within the state of california it puts a nine dollar and 25 cent per ounce tax on dried flowers and two dollar and 75 cent per ounce tax on dried leaves of marijuana for this is for the cultivation for the growing for non-medical purposes there's also 15 percent sales tax as well but just if people maybe don't necessarily buy weed but they're still maybe interested how much if you were to be like smoking a bong and do like what is it like a bowl is that what it's called a bowl on a bong <laughs> yes jenna please describe how weed is measured if you were to put weed in your bong bowl um like, how much would that be? I have no... We had kind of talked about it earlier. I have no idea how much... Like, if you're going to smoke out for a sesh or whatever you want to call it. Clearly, I'm not in the know with the vocab. But if you were to... <laughs> it's funny, actually. I enjoy this. Toke out, if you oh, were to... God. Is that it? If you were to if you were to smoke your weed cigarette, how much <laughs> weed would be involved? All right. So, uh, I would say... So, I'm no expert at all. Um, but... Uh, I would say like a gram is probably enough for like, you know, it can get you like a three bowls, I would say. Like okay. if, you're, if you're smoking out of a bong or a pipe, like that would be like, I'd say like a, a gram is about three bowls. Um, what about a baby doobie? A joint, I'd say about, yeah, like a gram and a half. Uh, sorry, not a gram and a half. Uh, like a, about half a gram is probably more than enough. Maybe maybe a little more cool. if you want like a solid outside thing. So. so it's not like a crazy tax against growers. And no. So and, and, uh, it's going to make that money. So there's 28.35 grams in an ounce. So, and uh, speaking from experience a little bit, uh, it is typically from medical dispensaries, it is about $15 or so per gram of weed for medical purposes. There's a lot of money to be had here. Yeah. There's a lot and of so taxes like it, it, to so be made. So if you do 15% on that, that's actually pretty, that's a nice sizable amount. And plus <laughs> $9... Nine dollars, nine, nine and a quarter for an ounce of flowers. That's actually chump change for the growers. Like they, an ounce from a dispensary costs about four hundred dollars. Dude, and how much more chill will people be if they have Dude, easy so access? Chill bra. We so. got more money. We got chill bras. And actually, I mean, this would it, it, the amount of money that I mean. So the reason also I'm in favor of it, besides the fact that more weed bra for the rest of us, is in Colorado where this they actually enacted this. They balanced the state budget. I believe I'm speaking anecdotally. I actually didn't bother checking this up, but I believe that's us non-fact checkers. You know, we only spent so much on research. We can only do so much. Uh, I believe they balanced the Colorado's state budget within three months of enacting pot. So we so, got more money. We have happier people. We have more hippies. 
And I mean, the, everybody and loves hippies. The fact of the matter is, I mean, if the potential of adding this much tax revenue to the state, I mean, college can be free again. Like the that blows my mind that like my kids potentially could go to college for free. Uh, that was, I mean, that that was the opportunity that it was given to Californians like thirty years ago, and that hasn't been the case. You know, like to have that again, that would be fucking awesome. So, like, I mean, that's only one of the potential of benefits of having that much tax revenue come into the state. So, I think we're both in uh, agreement there that Prop 64, Weed Bra <laughs> Amendment. We are in favor. We are in favor. So, let's move on to the less sexy topics, Jana. How about you pick one of the... Okay. So, we've agreed so far. This one's not sexy, but F and I disagreed a little bit. So, we figured may as well not preach it, y'all, but maybe try to get the other to come over to the the right side of the argument here which is obviously my side of the argument. So You're wrong. Okay, Donald. Uh, so again, still on California props. We're going to talk about Prop 51 for a little bit. So so Prop 51 borrows $9 billion <clears throat> in, in general obligation bonds. So these oh, are yeah. debts paid back with interest by taxpayers for school construction projects. That's correct. So, Jana, what are your, is your stance on this? My stance is... And, uh, is that I think that it's a good idea. I think it's good to borrow. I think, you know, something that F and I had talked about a little bit previously when we were actually figuring out if we disagreed on anything was that it's a $9 billion, let's call it a loan. Well, we can call it a bond because that's what it is, with $8 million uh, of interest that'll be paid back. Billion. Billion. Oh, well, billion. So anyway, so that's a total of what? $17 billion that the uh, state is in charge of paying back. So the thing that I think about is, first of all, it's it's a lot of money. But when divided up among everybody, if everybody pitches in like they should, how I this is how I believe government work. Everybody works. Everybody should pitch in and help each other. But. I think $17 billion isn't that big of a deal. And I think that it's really, really important to invest in our, to invest in our schools, uh, building and funding them. So while I don't disagree with that, I fully agree that we should absolutely take care of our kids and fund improvement of schools. I'm opposed to this measure in particular because it is $17 billion in borrowed money when like I mentioned before, like with the pot amendment, we could easily make that up in taxes where we don't have to, the taxpayers don't have to pay that back. And it just, and also the other problem too, is that this is only, this is not improving all schools. It's really like a consortium of like schools and construction companies that have sort of like banded together to help fund themselves and not the state as a whole. So I feel like this is just kind of like, while I completely agree that there are schools, like, I mean, th- I, want, I think one thing that Jana mentioned, keeps mentioning is that there was a school recently where, like, a sewer line burst and, like, exploded in the school, and that's fucking disgusting, and we should be taking ki- better care of our kids in that way. I absolutely would agree with that. However, I feel like we should just pay it with taxes, with just revenue from the school, from the government, instead of bankrolling it with borrowed money that we're just going to have to pay back. This is where F and I tend to disagree a little bit. Uh, F, F's budget mentality is a little bit different than mine. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm just saying, it's not, I mean, what, yes, we are different in that, in, in that assessment. But however, what I'm saying is that there is plenty of, I'm saying that there's going to be plenty of money in the general fund 
as uh, well not general fund sorry there's gonna be plenty of tax revenue coming in um and there is and especially with like some of the budget tricks that jerry brown has been doing and oh the, that should be mentioned too jerry brown is against it as well this was also passed it was passed in the, it was uh added it, it was on the state legislature and jerry brown vetoed it so and he's actually uh, he's definitely one of my favorite governors that the state has ever had he's balanced the budget since the governor left fuck the governor and so I feel like shaking my head slowly at Arnold because that was a joke, and I come from Texas, the land of the bushes. So that's why. So that's why I feel like we should. We should still. I I feel like we should still. uh, And don't forget Ross Perot. I liked him. I feel. I feel like this is. There's better ways around than improving our schools than just borrowing money from everybody. I. So to be fair, when I was actually having this debate with my parents, I was at first for it, but my my parents were against it, saying that making this argument that. We don't want to. Why should we borrow money and bring? And this- I, yeah, I understand that. But then my question to you, and again, when F and I were preparing for this, this was a question I had often, and that we tended to disagree on, was to me, you have a budget, and where else is the money coming from for the school? So I, I, I absolutely agree that there's better ways to. There's probably better ways to find the funds to help schools, and I do understand that you know, this maybe isn't going towards all of the schools. But at the same time, I did not see, in, in our research, I did not see a better solution to get money, money to the schools. And I think that that's a huge, that's very problematic. And it's problematic across the country. The education in America, I think, is just pretty abysmal compared to some other states and I, or countries. And I know, you know, my mom's a teacher. And I know that there's so many, so many things that, are wrong with the schools that she's working in and the ISDs that she's working in. And not that she's complaining about this, but I just, I see what she has to go through and I see what she does. And I see that there's so much room for growth and opportunity. So for me, it's better to find the money somewhere to support some schools than not support any schools. So to me, something is better than nothing even if it's not ideal. That's, I'm, I'm, I disagree. Um, yeah, we could go on and on about this, but for the sake of time... Um, those are our sides of the story. Those are our sides. Uh, and uh, yeah. <coughs> uh, so the last, uh, the last proposition we're going to talk about, and I feel this is very important as a citizen of the United States, is Proposition 59... Basically, what is your thoughts on Citizens United? This doesn't have any legal impact whatsoever. This is really just a... What was the word that you used, Jana? It is an advisory measure. Yeah. Essentially, what this is saying is asking the citizens of California, do you agree with the Supreme Court's Citizen United decision? Now, for those of you that are uninformed, Citizens United... Which was me. All right. So I was I was going <laughs> to save you from that, but sure. Nope, I'll throw it out there. I'm free to admit when I don't know something. Citizens United was a Supreme Court case where essentially the Supreme Court ruled that money is a form of free speech and therefore should not be regulated in political elections. Therefore, making it open for anyone and everyone to donate as much money as they want in our elections and without the need to disclose it either. So this caused like the formation of super PACs. I think like Colbert actually like made fun of it. They had like the Colbert super PAC where essentially all he did was like fill out some forms and got the name and could essentially bankroll anybody who he wanted. 
And that's essentially how a lot of like uh, political action committees have been running. So they're basically bankrolling whoever they want. Um, my personal opinion is that there should there's already too much money in elections as it is, and this needs to, this was a horrible decision made by the Supreme Court. And the SCOTUS. Which for okay, I was going to say this. SCOTUS just reminds me of scrotum. Yep, same. That's why okay, I said it with good. such glee. Good. I'm not the only one. Nope. Especially just thinking of Antonin Scalia <laughs> and his. Well, I guess he's dead. Nope. Let's move on from that. <laughs> let's move right along. So I feel I mean, yes, this 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 doesn't have the immediate impact. I, I know this has no effect on law, but this is the first step to make to a potential constitutional convention where we can amend the constitu- the U.S. Constitution to ban this kind of unlimited spending in political ca- campaigns. And I feel like this is a f- good first step in the right direction. And we need to and we need to vote. If you agree with me, if not, then go ahead and vote no. And, but if you agree that there is too much political spending and we don't know who's spending money and all this stuff, we should definitely vote yes on this to tell our state legislature that we should definitely consider adding having a conv- constitutional convention and overruling Citizens United and limiting spending in political campaigns. Okay. I'm a little torn. The more we talk about it, I think I'm a little bit torn. I How think, are you torn? I think there's a couple of different things to think about. And, you know, I think this is uh, what's interesting about F and me being friends is F is an engineer and very logical and there's always an answer to something. It's either right or it's wrong. And, and he sees the gray. But with me, it's always like, oh, I don't know. I'm okay with it if this happens. But if this other thing happens and I'm not okay, for me, everything is completely gray, uh, which is challenging, especially when ordering dinner. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, the more we talk about this, I ha- there's a couple of things that stand out to me. So I think, first of all, I am in complete agreement that there is too much money spent on political campaigns. It comes to the point where it's like, who has the most money? And that's who wins in a lot of these different campaigns. Well, that's, well, that, that's not exactly true. There has been plenty of few documented cases where not necessarily the person who spent a ton of money is the one that wins. I mean, just look at Obama and Hillary back in 2008. Well, so maybe that was a little bit hasty, but but generally speaking, the more money you have, the more, and I'm, and I'm not necessarily even talking about the presidency, I'm talking about more local elections. The sure. more money that you have, the more you're able to get your name out, the more airtime you're able to buy to hopefully sell yourself or sell people on what you're doing uh, and not tear everybody else down. That's a whole different topic. But I mean, money does help win elections uh, at, at the very root of it. It helps get your name out, especially again, let's go back to these kind of general elections, the uh, city and state elections. So I think that that's I think that that's one point. I think money does help. Um, but I don't think that it should be unlimited because then you're just buying your way into sometimes you're buying your way into uh into government into a place of power and i think that's where i agree with you where from that perspective i think that citizens united um should be what was it be overturned be yes. against anyway so i'm aligned with that i don't think you should be able to buy your way into power well let's not forget like all the whoever can whoever the fuck is rich can donate however the fuck they want for example like the Koch brothers who've been pouring money into trump's campaign so i mean it's so and I mean, that's not to say that also foreign governments can't donate as well. I mean, there's because there is no limit and there is no oversight over the who is, who's giving what 
it there is no limitation on it. That's as it stands now. So that's the second part of the point I wanted to make. So the first of which is I think you should be able to donate. And, you know, if to the point of freedom of speech, I do understand that. But I think, you know, let's be smart about this. I, I also don't think you should buy your way into government. So it's just like a very slippery slope there. But the second point is really uh, the not disclosing part is what I really have a huge problem with. And I think, you know, for me, that goes along the same lines as like gun referendum. Like if you're, uh, if you're not willing to disclose or you're not willing to, uh, to like for the ammunition, there's an ammunition proposition on the ballot that F and I talked about earlier, but if you're not like willing to disclose this information and go on the record and say, okay, here's what I'm doing then to me, that's a that's a little bit shady. And that's the part I have a real problem with, uh, specifically in this instance. So I think at the very least, people should have to disclose who's donated and how much they've donated. Again, just to make sure it's not super shady, like to F's point, like, you know, we don't necessarily want Russia donating to Trump, which who knows? Who knows? Mm -hmm. He's old buddies with that old Putin over there. So, you know, you don't know. So I think at the very least, even if Citizens United doesn't get overturned, I think at the very least that we should ask to have these things disclosed. It's part of the government. That should all be kind of public knowledge, I feel. Well, I, I mean, this is a grander discussion, but I feel like there should be public funded campaigns. There should not be any private spending, private donations. Absolutely not. None. This should be, elections should be publicly funded like everywhere else in the fucking world. And so that there, the, so that everybody is, and there, and there should be coverage should be limited to only a, f a very limited time instead of these this nineteen month election cycle that we've had. Fuck that bullshit. Anyway, we're getting off topic. We need right. to, we need and, to get back. and ultimately, I, I do agree with but you. Yeah, so, but I mean, just that, from but that's, a, that's a grander discussion. I take feel like, the steps. But like we should uh, for citizens. This is specifically about Citizens United, and if you want it overturned. You should definitely vote yes on this to get rid of Citizens United. So those are some of the state ones that we talked about. And we're going to now move on to our lovely city of San Francisco. And there was a few, there was a few, we picked a, a few here on the ballot and uh, we're going to go and discuss them. So Jana, which one do you feel like we should start with? Yeah, I don't know if these are any more or less sexy than the others because we can't use that joke. There's no porn uh no porn proposition no pp for the for the city so i think if we can just start kind of from the top and work our way down so you want to go in alphabetical order let's go in alpha numeric order minus numeric just alpha it's called alphabetic that's the one okay so the, the first one that we talked about was proposition e another one that f and i we we agreed but we had some different thoughts so Proposition E is San Francisco City Responsibility for Street Trees and Sidewalk Amendment. Vote in favor of this allocates $19 million per year from the general fund of the city for maintaining trees along public streets and surrounding sidewalks from, pro from pro private property owners to the city. So a vote no for this would basically would leave this responsibility for the private property owners instead of the city. So, Jana, why did we disagree on this? I I was said yes. You were saying maybe. I was saying maybe. <clears throat> and there's a few different reasons for this. So, first of all, F said yes. And 
I wanted to know where's the money coming from. The general it's fund. coming from the general fund, which we found out. So that's all well and good. To me, before I can decide what I want to spend money on the general, before I can have an opinion on where the funds that are within said general fund come from, I want to know what all of my options are. So if I choose to support this, to support Prop E and have the sidewalks and trees maintained by the city, I want to know what I'm missing out on. Were, were these funds, um, could they potentially go towards helping homeless? Could they potentially go towards fixing our streets? I live right off of Haight Street and the potholes there, they, they're always fixing it, but it's never really fixed. So could I potentially be spending money on that, fixing some of the streets? So before I can make an ultimate decision, I need to know what what does the general fund potentially pay for and what am i giving up by voting for this you're not does it so my argument is that it's not necessarily a there's nothing you're really giving up it's just adding a line item to the general that, that gets money taken out of the general fund now unlike personal people which i mean there's some arguments to be made governments can run deficits deficits they can run a balanced budget or they can run a surplus now actually i to be completely forthcoming, I don't know what the state of San Francisco's budget is. I don't know if we're running a deficit, a surplus, or we have a completely balanced budget. If it is so, but I feel that nineteen million dollars is enough to is does warrant to spending to take care of our local sidewalks and uh, trees on the on the side of the road. So that's uh, but so that's my thought. I feel like nineteen million dollars is not much to ask for. And it's good to take care of it. And honestly, there are some private property owners who can who aren't good at that. <laughs> They're not. And that kind of that leads me to my second question, which is what is gonna happen? Like what what are the rules that are gonna be instated on the private property owners? Are <coughs> No, it's just, so it's it's pretty clear. It's just saying that this private property owners can are the responsibility is taken away from them and the city takes care of it. Right. So I understand that, but there are some sidewalks that have trees planted and they have little gardens around them so does that mean that these property owners are no longer going to have jurisdiction over the planters in front of their houses so I'm, I'm not disagreeing I just have some more questions that need answered before I can just blatantly say yes take money from a fund that I don't know where else it could be allocated to and clean the sidewalks uh, when I don't know what that means for the people who own the property right there so I'm not saying no. I'm not saying we disagree. I just have more questions before I can have a definitive answer. Nah, fuck it. Nobody's using it. Just go for it. Make a city pretty. Take, Make it sparkle more, Jana. I did sparkle. take a lovely picture of succulents that someone had planted. I don't want the city to do away with that. So we're so, kind of divided. We're divided there just in the fact that I need more details. All right. So moving on, uh, the next next proposition on the ballot is Proposition F, San Francisco Youth Voting in Local Elections. So this lowers the age restriction for voters in the city of San Francisco only on city elections, reducing the voting age from 18 to 16. Uh, what are your thoughts, Jana? Why not? Why not? Well, it's such a small subset of the population that will actually vote. Why not? So when I was 16, I remember thinking like, yeah, absolutely. I'm 16. I'm smart. I know what I'm thinking. Absolutely reduce the voting age. Now that I'm 
a ripe old age of 28. Looking back at it, I'm like, yeah, maybe. Maybe I was smart. Maybe maybe I think I was smart. But there are a lot of 16-year-olds who are dumb idiots that were also in my school that had no right voting. And, well, I, I mean, and I'm not to generalize, but I feel like probably if there's any city that has probably more of an educated youth would probably be uh, students, like 16-year-olds. I mean, they're students, they're kids, in my opinion. They're still, but like... They are small children. So I feel like if any city were to have probably more educated populace, I would they say probably... They are half my age. All right. Sorry. Calm down. <laughs> Calm down. So I would say that it would... San Francisco would probably be better off with 16-year-old voters, but it still makes me uneasy thinking of like me, 16, in the voters' booth. And I don't feel like... So, and already we have too much of an uneducated electorate as is. I don't know if it's if we need to add... If we're really desperate for voters at that age. I think absolutely we're desperate for voters. I also think that if we're setting kids up at the age of 16 to have the ability to vote when it comes to larger elections beyond city elections, they're going to be prepared potentially and they'll know, you know, what to do. And it's instilling the importance of voting at a young age. I also think that honestly, the voter turnout for kids between the age of six uh, kids who are 16 and 17 isn't going to be that huge of a number. So it's likely not going to make a huge difference either way. So I think it's just really reinforcing the not the appeal of voting, but, you know, kind of the moral obligation we have as a member of the, the U.S. and California and San Francisco. So I'm for it. So while I, I mean, I agree with you, but still, like, it's not like kids can't vote, right? Like, there's already the importance. I mean, of, it's not like kids can't vote. They kids can, can vote. vote. They can vote in student in school elections. They vote that all the time. Not but, all like, schools I don't, have that. In San Francisco, they do, Jana. Trust me. Have you been to every school? Have you have you decided that there's have you seen like students that don't vote turn out? Like, your argument is so the the argument that the students come out and. Are less likely to turn out is I don't know like a straw man argument because voting tends to be actually held at schools. So for them to vote actually is probably makes more sense for them to vote than it does for adults to vote. Right, but the actual number of bodies between the ages of sixteen and seventeen are minimal compared to the overall populace of the the city. In addition to layering not, on the desire to vote and get to school early or stay at school late. But it's not, st- but still, like, there, <clears throat> if it's, I don't want my city election to be co opted as an education ex- educational experience. Okay. That, that, that's, I mean, I, I, I agree that, yes, having I, in, increasing engagement, I agree with you, but I don't know if the city election is something that I really want. I hear what you're saying, but I don't want Republicans vote. voting in the city election, but I well, allow I, no, them I, that right. Actually, no, no. Actually, I absolutely want them to vote because I want because that's what makes a democracy work. Is if we were all drones and voting for the same thing, that wouldn't be a democracy. But if, but I feel like that. But I don't know if 16 year old. We already. My argument is that there's too much of an uneducated populace as is. San Francisco is probably an, is probably exempt from that. San Francisco probably has a more educated population than most. Uh, areas but it is but i don't want kids just coming in and voting I'm but it's sorry. okay for uneducated adults to come in and vote as well no it's not but it's still but it, it's i don't want to I, I don't know the thought of a 16 year old kid who just got his driver's license like driving up and voting just ugh, just irks me the wrong way the thought of 
Donald Trump voting irks me the wrong way. But yeah, but he's not in San Francisco, so that's good. Anyway, so we'll agree to disagree on on that one. Yeah. So moving on. All right. So and- on. Let's move on to our last proposition. Proposition V: San Francisco soda and sugar beverages tax. Now this is pretty pretty simplistic. This adds a one penny tax on per ounce on soda and sugary beverages. Now, if I, that's not mentioned, so the source that I'm using is Ballotpedia. They they don't mention. I believe this this also exempts diet sodas. I believe it does. Okay, so th- that's not. It really... has to be under 25 calories per 12 ounce serving uh, to to not fall privy to this tax. Fair enough. So I vote in favor of it, Jana. I am torn. Why are you torn? Well. I'm fine paying an extra tax. I drink diet soda. It doesn't really matter. Um, and I think I'm overall for it. I think the one question that I do have is, as silly as this sounds, this kind of reminds me, um, I'm not even going to say it, but I, it's always interesting to me when the government makes a decision to dictate, uh, to put different stipulations on what you put into your body, but it can go either way. But no, I think overall... I'm I'm for it. Um, I think there's been some research done where, you know, it's usually lower income households that end up purchasing more of these beverages, the, the soda beverages, like with a lot of sugar and stuff. We've had a little bit of wine, so I can't talk that well. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I think I'm for it. I think it's it's been proven in other in other areas of the country to. Uh, help curb obesity and then also um yeah i don't remember what other research i read but it was good i mean this is i mean yes i'm not a huge fan of the whole idea of a nanny state but i mean there's a reason why there's there's a reason why alcohol is limited and i feel sugary sodas are probably i mean they're not alcohol obviously but it is a substance and it does increase the diabetes and this diabetes and other sugar related health problems it does and so putting a limit on that i have no problem with that and if you really want us if you really want a coca-cola that bad you can afford the 20 cents extra that it costs for a 20 ounce bottle of coca-cola that was that's overall where i netted out yeah it was you know if you don't want to pay the tax then drink water yeah water's water's been around for millennia and it's delicious Unless you live in Flint, and then you shouldn't have the tax, but luckily we don't live in Flint. (laughs) What? True story. They got water problems. So, I mean, those are just some of the few uh, propositions we thought about talking about, kind of the sexier ones, but uh, hope it was engaging conversation. Um, What's most important is make sure that, I mean, obviously we didn't go over every single ballot measure. That would have been a three, four hour show if we went over every single measure. And I can't deal with that for that long. I can't deal with Janet that long. And uh, so, but make sure that you are educated when you go into the ballot box and vote. Um, some great resources. We were most of the research that we did on this episode. We used ballot.fyi, which is a great nonpartisan research. Nonpartisan, they basically break it down and break it down the uh, proposition, the California state propositions, down into regular layman's English and prov- with sources provided, so you can verify what they said. And. Uh, Ballotpedia.org as well, where they also break it down in, in English with uh, 
when, instead of legalese. And if you're like us and you you are fine with a little bit of a liberal slant on what you're reading, uh, the Bold Adalic put out a good uh, kind of guide to the San Francisco propositions. Uh, we posted it on Facebook earlier today. And it was just a quick, good read. Uh, definitely, definitely skewed uh, towards a liberal mentality, which I'm fine with because I agree with that. But it was an interesting, quick read. Um, so check that out as well. So, but we'll actually, we'll definitely have a blog post where we'll have like a summary of these ballot measures as well as some of our opinions as well. We might write them out in a little blog post and uh, we'll uh, definitely have links to some of these sources as well. Um, but on that note, make sure to also follow us on uh, where to find these, right? We'll be posting yeah. it on Twitter and <clears throat> Facebook, This SF Life. We also have an Instagram, which probably not going to have most of this political stuff, but our Instagram is This SF Life Podcast. And visit, definitely visit our website, thissflife.com, where we'll have the blog post with all of the information that we promised. And uh, on that note, make sure to go vote on election day. Make sure to be a, an educated voter and uh, go do your civic duty. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. When they do remove the tents, that I feel like this is probably going to take care of. The, the, they're going to provide these services for them as well. I would just need more details and, and how much, uh, how how many temporary houses, and for how long is this program going to be up and running, and how is it being funded, and where are the houses going? I think, again, there's just there's too many details that I don't have it's to be able to support this. Pretty pretty clear, Jana. Okay, the more you say that, you just sound like an asshole. Yeah, it it says they're providing temporary houses. Yeah. Where? They'll figure it out. Not everything has to be cut, clear cut and dry. before. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. If they're providing temporary housing in a place where they have it, maybe Hunter's Point, for example. Sure, what's wrong with that? What if somebody has a job in the city and they're living in a tent where they can easily walk to their job, but the temporary housing is in Hunter's Point, they don't have the transportation to get there. Is that not problematic? There's Muni. There's, there's buses. There's trains. And who's, who's paying for that? The city. The city. So off, the, city Muni, the Muni already offers, <clears throat> low income, uh, offers low income discounts for Muni. If you're homeless... You don't really have bus money. Is that's not my necessarily assumption. true? That's not necessarily true. It's not, but I think that we just need to do more research on this because shelters are full. The government—they're not full.
Okay. I think we'll just agree to disagree on this one. We will. Why are you giving me you're an asshole smirk? I'm not giving you any smirk. <laughs> I'm giving you the have you ever volunteered with homeless people? I don't need to. I of see your them every own day. accord. And have you day. talked to them and have you I spent do. I time with them? Have you played dominoes with them and realized that they're real people? Absolutely. Well, I know I realize they're real people. Have you spent time with these people? Yes, I spent time with them every Why day. Why should their life get any harder? It's not. How, you, we, so you're assuming that it's going to get harder. Who says it's going to get harder? Who says it's going to get easier? I'm not. You're the one who's arguing that it's getting harder. I'm arguing that why is it not easier? I'm saying that there's not enough... If they have access to hot water... There's not enough details. Who's funding this? Because according to you and this, and the, the city will do it. They're providing housing. They're providing food. They're providing transportation. There's all these None of that is outlined in here. Therefore, no, all, I is, cannot necessarily but you're making support it a bigger this. Pro- you're making it a bigger problem than what this the statute is saying the statute is saying temporary shelter which the temporary the other things, shelter the other things are already exist his and then it goes back to where is the temporary shelter in many cases that i have heard about over the course of the years hey, Janet i have trump, Janet trump not I've Janet heard, trumping Janet trumping i've heard i've heard in many of these cases they're really far away i agree that that was that was not good verbiage and that was trumpy and i apologize But the thing is, is it's true. It's true. A lot of homeless people choose to stay where they're at. In my experience, having conversation with people because there's not necessarily a good option that's close to where they need to be to get these services. Sometimes, yes. And a lot of the cases, uh, there are plenty of cases where they do use these services. And there's plenty of cases where a lot of the people that you see on the street suffer from mental illness. And they need, they don't have, they either they choose not to or they don't have access to uh, mental health services. And with this, this could, this potentially, I'm not saying that it will, I'm saying this potentially could provide access to those services. And I'm just saying before I can vote on something that is, uh, that I'm funding somehow out of the budget, I would need to know details. I would need to know where legally these people by law are being displaced because currently their home is the sidewalk that sounds funny, but currently they have where they live and they're being displaced. So then where are they being displaced to? How are they able to still get these services and have access to the services that they need? Sure. That's what I'm saying. All right. 